Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Awesome. Okay, we're jumping into the Word right now. This is week five of our series, Marked for More. God has marked your life for more. I hope now, after four weeks, you say, this is getting in my spirit and I'm starting to believe it. And as I walk about the streets and do my business, I'm beginning to believe that God maybe has actually marked my life for more. Perhaps today's the first week you're watching and you're saying, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about just yet. Are we talking tattoos? Are we talking, like, what do you mean marked for more? Well, you could go back and watch any of the, the weeks in this series, but I am going to give you a, f- a refresher as I always do. Of course, in the description, you can find the other services. Go back and watch those after we're done. But let me give you a little refresher because it's just that important. The book of Ephesians chapter one, this is where our whole series Uh, started and where it derives from. And so I want to share this as I have every single week. If you're new to Vivid, you might not know this, but pretty much every month we have a new series of, uh, of like a new series collection of talks that help focus in on one thing. I'm so excited for next week's series. You do not want to miss Sunday because uh, we're starting something brand new that I think is going to help us all. But here we are, week five, Mark for More, Ephesians chapter one. And uh, I'm going to go all the way back to verse 11 as we get moving on this thing. It's so good. Uh, to hear what God has done for us. It says this, in him we are chosen, we've been predestined according to his plan, who works everything in conformity for the purpose of his will, in order that we, that's me and you, we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of faith. If you know Jesus, this Bible's talking about you. This scripture is actually talking about you and I today. Uh, when you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked. Can you say, I am marked? Come on, in the chat, just write that down. I am marked. If you're sitting with someone right now in your home, turn to them, look them deeply into the eye, say, I'm so excited you're sitting right where you are. And then say this, I am marked. You have been marked in him with a seal, the promise of his Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. I keep asking that God, uh, the Lord of Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom. Week two, we talked about wisdom. God has marked your life for more wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that your eyes, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Week three, we talked about vision in order that you may have a hope. Week four, we talked about hope to which you were called, the riches of his glorious inheritance of his holy people. Now verse 19, and I'm also praying for his incomparably great power for us who believe. This power is the same as that mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. It's far above all rule and authority, all power, all dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the ones to come. God has given us power. In fact, he's marked our life for more power. That word marked means God has sealed our life with a seal of ownership, a seal of authentication, and a seal of future intention. I'm telling you right now, here we are, May 30th, or any other future date that you're watching this, your future will be marked by more of God's 
power. It is his promise and all his promises are yes and amen. God has marked your life for more power. If you're taking notes today, the title of today's message is that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. God's power. It is fundamental. It is, it's like a staple item of what it is to be a believer. It is foundational for who we are. God has marked your life with power and for power. God has more power for you. Last week we talked about hope. Guess what? Hope and power, they're, a, they're, they're, they're like a, a power couple. Hope and power, they're like the greatest of all time combinations. Maybe in the chat right now, why don't you write down your goat combination? Are we talking PB&J? Okay, that's pretty good. Are we talking bacon and eggs? Are we talking salt and pepper? What is your power combination? Maybe you're thinking sport right now, and so you're thinking like MJ and Pippin. Maybe you're going, going that direction, but, but give me your great combination. I want to tell you in Scripture that perhaps hope and power are the greatest of all time. Like perhaps hope and power are that type of epic combination because they work in tandem with one another. Last week we just talked about that hope that God wants to pour into our lives and we ended in Romans 15 so I think it's the greatest place we could start today. Romans 15 and 13 it says may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I'm telling you godly hope it looks like joy and peace. It comes with partners. Godly hope is not just hype. It's not just God quickly inflating your tires and making you believe things will be good. You're going to have genuine joy genuine peace that he'll fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope how by the power of the holy spirit hope and power go hand in hand hope and power there it just doesn't seem right to say they're a power couple because i'm using the same word twice but hope and power it's like the greatest of all time combination better than pb and j better than mj and pippin hope and power God wants your life to be marked with more power. And so someone there, you're thinking, well, what would that look like? Just more bravado? Just more like epic confidence? Maybe it looks like the ability to do more things because power looks like power, I suppose, when it's exerting itself. But I want to dig into this a little, little bit today. Why do I need more power? You might be looking and you say, you know what? My life's actually pretty good. I guess power is something that I could add to it. Perhaps you see power as an add-on. Have you ever been asked to pick your favorite features, maybe for a type of product that you're purchasing and you can pick a couple of add-on features? Have you ever been asked maybe to pick some of your favorite characteristics of um, you know, a movie, a book, a sports team? I know my, my sons, they're always talking superheroes and some of their superheroes are I almost said real. Some of their superheroes have been authored by other people and some of their superheroes are imagined in their own minds. But generally, pretty near the conversation, it's, well, what are their powers? Like, what are their super skills? Uh, this has been a, like an actual typical conversation around our dinner table. If you could be a superhero, what would be your top three superpowers? Have you ever had a conversation like that? And so someone's like, oh, I would take super strength. Someone else goes, well, not me. I'd take super speed. Oh, invisibility would be great. Oh, I'd like to uh, be able to teleport. Whatever those powers might be. Perhaps you see God's power as a, a, an add-on to your life. But I think it's so much more fundamental than that. You know, I have a few favorite go-to spices that just kind of make every food better. Like I could add Valentina hot sauce to pretty much anything, and I think it's an upgrade. 
I, I could sprinkle Parmesan cheese on, on anything savory, and I'm like, that made it better. I like chimichurri. I like some cumin. I always like a little bit of, of black pepper. There are certain things that I feel just like kind of make everything better. But power is not an additive. Power is not an add-on. Power is not just a spice. Power is a staple. Do you know there are, there are over 50,000 edible plants in the, in, in, on earth? I'm not talking about actual individual plants, but species of plants. There are 50,000 edible species of plants, but 90% of the world's food is, is just 15 of those. 90% of the food we consume is made up of just 15, uh, 15 items, 15 different plant items. In fact, 60% uh, of the world's food consumption is made up of just three items, rice, corn, and wheat. 60%. Of everything that humans consume, rice, corn, and wheat. I want to make the, the argument today that power is not Valentina hot sauce or Parmesan cheese. Power is like rice or corn or wheat. It is a fundamental staple. It is at the very foundation of everything it means to be a believer. It was God's power that rose Christ from the dead. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. You see how hope and power work together. Some people last week, you, you came out of Sunday going, I'm so hyped up on that message about hope where Pastor Justin said that we don't go forward with hype, but with hope. You see, here's the thing. In order for hope to be sustained, we need power. In order for hope to be sustained, we need the evidence of God's power at work in our life. I'm so grateful that when Paul describes the power of God, he doesn't just say, well, you know, he, he's strong, you, you get it. He says, let me give you a description of that power. In Ephesians chapter 1, which we just read, let me highlight it for you again. Verse 18, it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That's talking about vision in order that you may know the hope that in which you were called to and the riches of his glorious inheritance in this holy people and his incomparably great power. That word incomparably means to throw farther incomparably great power. I know when I was a kid, it felt like every body of water just was beckoning me to throw a rock in it. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you didn't grow up the same way, but for me, I mean, if I saw a river, if I saw a lake, if I was ever at the ocean, I just had to find something and throw it in, like to create a splash. And I remember learning how to skip a rock and I remember, you know, digging out the largest rock I could possibly pick up and throwing it so you have that, that whoosh kind of feeling. And I always remember every lake, every river, every pond, that moment where you're seeing how far can I throw this rock? You know what's crazy? My dad just had an ability to throw rocks farther. I was six. I felt like my form was good. I, I was eight and I felt like, man, I, I'm really starting to get some of that oomph behind what I do. But my dad, he could just always throw it farther. That's what the incomparably great power of God is. It's the ability to throw farther. I remember this one time we were on a road trip. We pulled up. I was probably eight years old and, and uh, we, we were having lunch. And so we pulled up to this little spot. We we're going to have a picnic. And of course, myself and my brother and my sister and my dad all went down to the, the water to start throwing things. My mom was making sandwiches and we were throwing as far as we could. And, and I'll be honest, I, I could throw the second farthest in the family. Just my dad had the ability to throw incomparably farther than I did because I was eight. Well, then we finished our, our meal and we said, mom, mom, you should try throwing. 
And, and for those of you who know Marilyn, you're going to love this story. She picked up a rock and she said, here it goes. And she threw it as like she bent back far and she let it go with all the strength she had. And she released it way too early and it landed behind her. It's like a, a, mar, a memory etched in my mind forever that my mom gave it everything she had and it actually landed behind her. You know, for some of us, I think that's like the best power we bring to the equation. I'm going to try my very best. I'm going to put everything I have into it. And it feels like no matter how hard you try to do this life right, no matter how hard you try to, to really bring your best to the table, you feel like it's always landing behind you. And then here's God. His power is not just eight-year-old strength. His power is incomparably greater. God can throw farther. God's power always brings it. His power? Well, that's what I'm talking about. It's not our power. It's not human strength that ends up landing behind us. It's the power of God. It's incomparably great, the Bible says. And then Paul, in this one sentence, he uses four words that are synonymous with one another. He says, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. The power that God wants to exert in your life, the power that God has marked your life for, that more power, the power that I'm talking about, it's the same type of power. He says it's the same power. That word in, in Greek is dynamia, which means this, like dynamic, dynamite type power. It's explosive, it's immediate, it's evident to all. The power that God wants to work out in your life is explosive. Not only is it explosive, it's the same power like his mighty strength. The Bible says that word mighty is energia. Energia means getting the work done, exerting energy to get something done. Mighty strength. The word strength is kratos in Greek, which means to become a master of something. God is dynamic. God is constantly exerting energy on your behalf. And God's a master. What he does is not just wasting power. He's not just throwing his weight around. He is purposing in your life and mine to get the job done. And then lastly, that same power that he exerted, that word exerted is a, a Greek word, ischis, which means this, that after you have done it all, you still have a lot more available strength. This is the type of power that God has marked your life for. The type of power that is dynamic, that is working, that is mastering or is already mastered. And when it's all said and done, there's still an overflow. There's still left over. This power is not an additive. It's not a spice. It's not an add-on. It's a staple. God's power goes farther. Are you with me today? This is, this is our intro. Now I want to give you five areas that God's power works in. Now, this is not because these are the only five, five areas. Uh, again, it's not an additive, it's a staple. These are five of the areas that I think we could all use a little more power right now. First of all, God has marked your life for more power and we all need more power to get a grip. If you're sitting with someone, why don't you just tell them right now, you need to get a grip. If you're not sitting with somebody, then get those thumbs going in the chat and tell us all, you need to get a grip. In fact, I think we all need to get a grip. We all need to figure out what we're holding Onto in the book of Ephesians, just a, a one page over in my Bible from what we were just reading in Ephesians 1. In Ephesians 3 and verse 17, it says this, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that being rooted and established in love, you may have power. Can someone say power? You may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp 
How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Again that word immeasurably, it goes farther. Immeasurably more than we ask for or imagine according to his power at work within us. God has given you more power so you can get a grip. So you can learn how to hold on to and and grasp the love that he has for us. Do you know right here, right now, everything that is causing your mind and your emotions to get unraveled, maybe over these last number of months, your foundation for what is normal has become so turned upside down that you feel like you're grasping at things. You're trying to find some power. You're trying to find some perspective. You're trying to find some hope. God is calling you. To get a grip on his love. To understand his love for you is high and wide and long and deep. It's four-dimensional. It's uncomprehendable, but it can still be knowable. God wants you to hold it in your own hands. To get a grip on his love. And when you begin to take a hold of the love God has for you, then a confidence begins to grow. As I hold on to the love God has for me, a confidence to ask for the things that right now I can only imagine. And how much power does he have? Enough power to give you immeasurably more than you ask for. Vivid Church, I'm calling on you right now. Get a grip. Get a grip on the love of God. How how are we going to do that? It's going to take power. We need power to get a grip. But God has marked your life for that type of power. Our emotions are not those that are going to rise and fall on, on the changing tides. We are holding on to the love of God. Our opinions and perspectives are not going to be uh, persuaded and bullied by what we see going on around us in the world. We are holding on to the love of God. We need more power to get a grip. I want you to know today you're completely and utterly loved. You are incomprehensibly loved with a love that's wide and high and long and deep. God is on your side. He is for you, not against you. And if God is for you, who could really ever stand up against you? Nobody. God has marked your life for more power, the type of power that will help you get a grip. Number two, not only does the love of God or the power of God help us to get a grip. Number two, we need more power to let go. You know what the truth is? You can't hold on to one thing and then get a grip of something else. In order to hold on to one thing, you need to let go of what you're already holding on to. You you can't take a hold of the love of God while you're already gripping on to something else. You need to open up those hands and let go. Well, it's going to take some power to do that. Let me show you what Paul says to the the church in Corinth. Perhaps for some of you, this will be a familiar passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. In this piece of Scripture, Paul is talking about a weakness that he has. And uh, I, I just would be willing to venture that everyone who's watching right now, you are very aware of a weakness that you have. In fact, I would be willing to venture that you're so aware of your weaknesses that you also see those same weaknesses in others. In fact, I'd be so willing to, to, to venture to say this, that you are so aware of your weaknesses that you're convinced everyone else is aware of your weakness as well. Well, regardless of whether you're hiding it well, 
whether you're covering it up, whether you're just trying to do what you can to exert some energy and to have enough power to overcome it, God's power actually has a better plan for your life in the area of weakness. Look what Paul says in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. He's saying, oh, I got this weakness, I keep bringing it to God, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Here Paul says this, I don't have to be defined by my weakness. I can actually be defined by God's power. I don't have to be defined by the areas where I am weak. I can be defined by the sufficiency of God's power. I don't have to be defined by the demand that my life puts on God's power. Instead, I can be defined by the supply that his power represents. He's got more than enough power. He's got more than enough grace. Here it says that his power does its best work or it's perfected in our weakness. Here's the reality that if you think you can only approach God in your strength, you're not really even approaching God. If you think that your prayers could be like this, God, you know how hard I've worked. You know how much I deserve this. You know the good person I've been. You know when I compare myself to others, I think I outrank them. And so here I am presenting my needs. God's like, you got an attitude issue. But when we approach him in our weakness, God, you know how much I, I, I struggle. You know how much it hurts. God, you know how I, I can see all my weaknesses. If I see them, certainly you see them. God says, oh, I got enough grace for you, my friend. My son, my daughter, I love you. My grace is sufficient in your weakness. You don't have to show your self-sufficiency. You can live in a God sufficiency. His power is doing its best work. So not only do we need to get a grip, but in order to do so, we need to let go. I need God's power in my life to let go of my weaknesses. I do not want to be defined by my shortcomings. I want to be defined by God's power. Can I get an amen in the chat today? This is good news that God's power is perfected in our weakness. Imagine if God had a limited, uh, a limited supply of power, an insufficient supply. And if on the same day, too many people required his power. And he goes, guys, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. I ran out of power. I'm just completely out of stock. Have you ever been on Amazon? I have Amazon Prime and I go to order something. And, and, and the whole reason to have it is that it can come the next day. And then they say, due to unforeseen circumstances, we're out of stock in this. So it'll come when it comes. Imagine if that was the promise that God has. I'll get it to you when I, when I feel good and ready, but I'm kind of low on power. The truth is this, God is never low on power. His grace is whew, sufficient. So we need more power to get a grip. We need more power to let go. Number three, we need more power to speak up. We need more power to speak up. I think you could also make the argument that we need more power to shut up, but speaking up and shutting up often go in hand. It's a choice of what will I talk about? What will I give my focus to? In the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, God is speaking, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's about to ascend. Uh, we looked at, at the story of Pentecost last week. Again, that hope and power at work together. And uh, in, in verse uh, 8 of Acts chapter 1, it says this, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Or in other words, you'll be my witnesses wherever you go. It's the power of God 
that enables us to speak up. There's someone here now, you're feeling like, man, I just, I, I got to do more for my faith. God's been so good to me. You know, I know he loves me and I, I, I'm starting to learn to let go of my weaknesses and trust him with those weaknesses. I should be doing more for God. And you feel this little urge on the inside of you and an urgency. I got to do more. I got to share more. I got to spread more. Maybe I should share more posts about Jesus on my, my social media or you feel that urgency. Guess what? It's not going to be that, that sense of striving that makes you an effective witness. It'll only be God's power. So wait and pray. Wait and ask God's power to do its best work in your life. And as you receive power, witnessing is not something you do. A witness is who you become. God's power gives you the ability to to speak up. That's what I'm talking about today. It's good news. We need more power to speak up. I don't want to just speak my own contrived words. I want to speak the words that God has given me to speak. In the book of Acts chapter 4, we see this play out. Peter and John are brought before the, the religious leaders of their time after being falsely imprisoned and they stand up before them and it says in chapter 4 verse 8, it was evident that they were full of the Holy Spirit. And so they began to speak boldly about Jesus. It doesn't say this, they were super angry and they got riled up and so they talked about Jesus. It doesn't say they were super scared and they felt backed into a corner so they lashed out with talks about Jesus. And it doesn't say they felt really convicted that they should be doing more so they talked about Jesus. It says they were full of the power of his spirit. God has marked your life for more power and we all need more power to speak up. Number four, not only do we need power to speak up, but we also need God's power to grow up. That's what I'm talking about right now. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, it says this, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God has given you everything you need by his power so that you can live a godly life. It goes on to say this, so exert yourself exert that power you've been given the power that's upon your life to add to your faith goodness and to your goodness knowledge and to your knowledge self-control and your self-control perseverance into your perseverance godliness into your godliness mutual affection into your mutual affection love whoever possesses these qualities in increasing measures it's talking about having a life that's productive and effective god's power has given you everything you need to grow up so, so don't be uh, satisfied with your maturity level right now. God wants to grow you up. He got, has enough power to do just that. And lastly, number five, not only do we need more power to get a grip, not only do we need more power to let go, not only do we need more power to speak up and to grow up, but lastly, we need more power to replace fear with faith. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says this, God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If right now you're struggling with fear, fear of the unknown, fear of what people would think, fear of failure, fear of, of being left alone, fear of your future, fear of your past, you need to know this, that God wants to replace your fear with faith. He's given you power and love and a sound mind so you could grow in faith. Faith and fear they look so similar. Faith and fear. Fear is the greatest of our possible imagination for the negative. Faith is just the greatest of our possible imagination towards God's 
character, the future that he has marked for us. We need more power to replace our fears with faith. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5, with this I close today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says this. I'll start verse 4. It says, My message and my preaching were not wise, not persuasive words, but they did have demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power, so that your faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You know what? During this, this time of doing church online this way, I'm more convinced than ever that the only thing that's going to change the world is God's power. It's not wise and persuasive words. I talked about Valentina hot sauce and my mom throwing a rock behind her today. I'm not going to convince you of God's power. I don't think there's anyone sitting on their couch right now who's going, well, I guess now I have to have God's power. The only thing that is going to change fear into faith is going to be an act of God's power, his Holy Spirit present right with you where you are right now. And I'm going to pray and believe, not because I've convinced you into power, but I'm going to pray and believe that God right now would meet you right where you are and you would know his nearness And you'd be convinced in your inner person, God's actually on my side. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.